Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is April 26th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my first round mock draft. Now, this is going to have all the picks from the entire NFL. We're going to be going through each of those. And then, of course, the draft doesn't end after the first round. There's still some needs. So we're going to be going over how the Dolphins could address some of these needs as we move on uh, throughout the duration of the draft. But first, we will begin with the entire NFL. We're going to be going through all of these picks. I'll try to go through them quickly so it's not too long, but first we will begin with the first team on the clock, the first overall pick, probably the easiest to predict one in arguably NFL history, a prospect who has been heralded as one of the best up there with Andrew Luck, up there with John Elway. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars successfully tank for Trevor Lawrence. They will get a potential franchise changer. There are no sure things in the NFL. But when it comes to being as close to a sure thing as possible, Trevor Lawrence is up there. He is a generational talent, arm talent through the roof, has been excelling for years now. They're going to be able to get him here, surround him with what is one of the youngest, if not the youngest rosters in the entire NFL. So there is the potential definitely for things to change into the complete opposite direction for uh, Jacksonville over here. Now with the second overall pick, this is where probably one of my hotter takes uh, the consensus number two pick. If you go and check the echo chamber that is Twitter and all the experts are saying it's going to be Zach Wilson, but I've been saying that I think it's going to be Justin Fields and I will say that it's a 50-50 and I would not be shocked whatsoever if it's either of these two guys, but just because I would be uh, extremely disappointed in myself if the Jets go Justin Fields and I change my opinion, I'm going to die on the field here that number two goes to Justin Fields, whether that's to be the contrarian or because I've been saying it too often, I'm a go here and say probably a little bit of a hot take and say the Jets go with Justin Fields. I think Zach Wilson's competition hasn't been the best. I think over the years, uh, especially recently, we've seen teams kind of uh, go for these shocking guys like Mitch Trubisky when they have guys who have been tremendous in college like Lamar Jackson or guys like Deshaun Watson, but for whatever case, they didn't go with the guys who uh, excelled in college against good competition. So I think that there's a safer element when it comes to Justin Fields as a opposed to Zach Wilson. So is that going to be enough for the Jets to pick him over him? I'm not sure. But whatever the case is, when it gets to the number three overall pick at San Francisco, they're going to take whatever guy is available. So in my mock draft, that would be Zach Wilson. But if you have another mock draft and it happens to be Wilson going two, then flip-flop those two between Justin Fields going to San Francisco and New York. That is how I expect it to go. Three quarterbacks consecutively off the board, whether it is uh, Zach Wilson two or three, that's just how how I expect it to unfold. As we get to this number four pick with Atlanta, this is where things get interesting because there's a lot of different directions. Do the Falcons have a quarterback need? Sure, yes, they do to some extent. Matt Ryan's days are definitely, the better days are behind him, but there's still enough talent offensively on this Falcons team that they could squeeze another good year, another solid year out of them. So could they go here, Kyle Pitts, at that number four pick at the tight end position? Sure, they could. Could 
Could they trade this to a team that has a bigger quarterback need? A, a team like uh, the Denver Broncos could easily trade up to this number four pick. A team like the Washington football team or the Denver Broncos could all make a move here for Trey Lance at the number four. And then potentially the Falcons could take Trey Lance himself at that number four pick. All of those things could happen. Now, I'm not very big on Mac Jones, something that you will see as we talk about this mock draft moving forward, but I'm expecting if Justin Fields falls to Atlanta, I think they'll uh, take him, no hesitation. But with my mock draft and how it's currently unfolding, I'm expecting the Falcons to either take Kyle Pitts or to trade this pick to a team that has a bigger quarterback need. Now, for the sake of the mock draft and how drastically things could shake up and how hard it is to predict these trades, I'm not going to have any trades in here, but at each of these picks, I will mention there's a potential uh, for a trade to happen at this spot if I see it as likely. But for now, I'm going to be going through it without trades, and I'll just mention them as we get to that pick. Now, uh, here it gets interesting because we get to the Cincinnati Bengals. I know Dolphin fans are already, you know, at this point, very excited for what could happen here. And it's something that I said back on Dolphins Talk about what direction are the Cincinnati Bengals going to go here at pick number five. And that's assuming Kyle Pitts is off the board as well. And I said this, that if you remove the fact that Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow had chemistry, I don't think the wide receiver position in general is something that people are going to be attaching to the Bengals so heavily if you remove that because there is a need the Bengals have and it is not just protection for Joe Burrow which is the obvious thing given that he had that huge knee injury because of the lack of time to throw but Joe Mixon is also a very talented running back and you haven't even been able to utilize him to the fullest extent. I'm not sure plugging in another receiver here when you've already had success with Tyler Boyd and with uh, T Higgins last year I'm not sure it drastically changes the offense if to the same extent as if you added a very talented guy like Penay Sewell here. So at pick number five, I'm assuming here the Bengals are going to go and address this need by going Penay Sewell out of Oregon at the offensive tackle position. Would I be shocked if they go Jamar Chase here? Not really. But at the end of the day, I think going offensive line makes a little bit more sense for them. So here we get to the Dolphins pick at number six. Jamar Chase is available. And if that is the case, I'm expecting the Dolphins to sprint up to the podium and select him. He is a very good prototypical wide receiver one build. He sat out last season, but he was a Bolitnikoff winner before that. He is a guy who is, even though he is only six feet tall, he plays much bigger than that. And with that in mind, he reminds me of a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., who is still capable of being a very physical receiver, even though he isn't the tallest one. The guy ran a 4-3 40-yard dash, put up a ridiculous amount of reps on the bench press. Just a huge home run if they're able to add him to this offense. Now, he is my go-to guy. He is the one that I want the Dolphins to go after. He is my ideal uh, uh, candidate here for this number six spot, even if Kyle Pitts was available. But if Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase are both available, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not extremely against the idea of going after Kyle Pitts. So don't think that I am just completely Jamar Chase or bust. I understand the appeal of getting Pitts and then getting a guy like Jalen Waddle maybe with that second pick, or if a guy like Rashad Bateman falls to the second round. I understand there is a big appeal of going after Pitts with the first one and then continuing to address the offense later on. So I understand that. But again, this is just a personal decision. I am very big on Jamar Chase. If he falls to the Dolphins at six, you are sprinting to the podium to get him. Now, I must discuss it a little bit briefly. Could the Dolphins trade this pick? And I think it is kind of likely if Jamar Chase has been taken, if Kyle Pitts has also been taken, could uh, somebody here
here who wants to take a guy like Trey Lance or maybe even Mac Jones, uh, ask for a trade with the Dolphins. I've seen, I've seen uh, little theories that maybe the Denver Broncos could trade Jerry Judy in their first round pick and maybe a little bit more. And I'd be in favor of that. I like that move. I'm very big on Jerry Judy, a guy from the Miami area, has that chemistry with Tua. That one is a pretty good, and I think a very interesting, whoever came up with that idea, that's a pretty good move, uh, assuming that Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase aren't there. I think those are the only way the Dolphins trade down out of this pick, but if that happens, I could see a few teams that have a quarterback need making a move to trade, but again, I only expect this to happen if Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts are not here available at this number six pick. Now we move on to the Detroit Lions at number seven. If my mock draft, if the real draft unfolds how I currently have it, I have this one as extremely likely to be traded for a team like the Denver Broncos or the Washington football team to leap in front of the Panthers to go after a quarterback like Trey Lance. But again, if that doesn't happen, I'm having the Lions here taking Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Now, assuming that does indeed end up happening, then I would have the Carolina Panthers here going after Rashawn Slater if they are able to address this. They, of course, got Sam Darnold. Uh, they have at least some sort of commitment to him. I don't know how effective he is going to be over there, but overall, I think that is how that would play out. We move over here to pick number nine, the Denver Broncos. If they don't uh, make a leap for getting a quarterback, they have an extremely talented offense, and it's kind of a shame that they would be wasting it, because I think Drew Locke really did regress. Some of the throws he was making, if it was Carson Wentz making some of the same throws that were intercepted, it would be memes all over Twitter, but it seemed like nobody was talking about it because it was Drew Locke, and it's not as flashy of a name. So I think the, uh, the Denver Broncos really need a quarterback. If they don't make the leap to get one, then I have them here at pick number nine, going after Micah Parsons, a linebacker out of Penn State, who apparently blew them away uh, when they were watching him. Now we move on to the Dallas Cowboys here at pick number 10, and it's a shame because it seems like they have the same approach every single draft, and it's to address their defensive back knee. We saw it with Byron Jones. We saw it with Chidobe Awuzie. They've had a ton of talent on the offensive side. Their, uh, their offensive line has been set. Their wide receiver unit has been set, whether it was Des Bryant, whether it's now uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and now CeeDee Lamb. They've had uh, success with the running backs, whether it's DeMarco Murray, even Derek McFadden, if you go way back, and now Ezekiel Elliott, their quarterback position, Tony Romo, and then Dak Prescott. They've been set offensively now for years, but their secondary has been an extreme liability. I think they tried to address it yet again here with going after cornerback out of Alabama, Patrick Sertan the second, and hopefully that works out. Of course, the son of a former Dolphin. Wish him the best if he does indeed end up over there in Dallas alongside of Trayvon Diggs. Uh, could be a very interesting uh, dynamic over there uh, in Dallas. Now we move on to the number 11 pick, the New York Giants. I have them taking Heisman winner Devontae Smith, the wide receiver out of Alabama here. They, of course, made the biggest splash in free agency going after Kenny Galladay. Galladay is a pretty impressive deep threat, a pretty impressive contested uh, jump ball receiver. You can add in Devontae Smith here, a guy who is just extremely talented at creating space, at getting yards after the catch. I think that could be a very interesting duo over there in New York. Now, number 12, the Philadelphia Eagles have had two very big needs now for years, and that has been their secondary. It seems like every week on a weekly basis, their cornerbacks are getting just moss. They're getting burned, torch, however you want to call it, but they also have a very big need at the wide receiver position. If they have any sort of commitment to Jalen Hurts, they at least have to give him a chance. Their wide receiver need is even bigger now. They lost Deshaun Jackson. If you can say that they even had him, I guess he dealt with a ton of injuries. Alshon Jeffrey is also no longer there. They add here, in my
high mock draft. Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver out of Alabama. The guy has burners, extremely quick, has a ton of upside. A lot of people indeed like him way more than Devontae Smith, which is interesting, but the guy has just talent through the roof. So if the Eagles are able to get him here at number 12, then I would genuinely shed a tear of joy for Eagles fans because they've needed a true you know, wide receiver that could be a home run threat. Jalen Rager, it seems like was at best a secondary target, even though I do like him. And they passed on Justin Jefferson. They passed on DK Metcalf. Give them Jalen Waddle here. I hope that works out for them. Now at pick number 13, I had the Los Angeles Chargers going after offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech, Christian Derisaw. They of course have offensive rookie of the year in Justin Herbert. They get him some help here at the offensive line. I think it makes a ton of sense. At pick number 14, I think there are several different ways that the Minnesota Vikings could go. Uh, a lot of them seem to love Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, but I think they address the offensive line here and go after Elijah Vera, Vera Tucker out of USC. It seems like that has been the most uh, heavily expected one in mock drafts, and I kind of agree with them addressing the offensive line here. Now we move on to the next pick here. The big one uh, when it gets to the New England Patriots at number 15, and this is where I have Mac Jones out of Alabama going to. And a lot of people are a lot higher on Mac Jones. I think he is probably one of the more overhyped quarterbacks that I can remember. I see some people having him going up to number three. Now, if he does go to number three or up there, I think it would be the equivalent. It would be that kind of Daniel Jones kind of pick where you saw fans, you know, with their hands on their heads saying, what are you doing? So we have seen shocking things like that happen before. So again, it could happen that he goes that high, but if you're asking me, I think that would be extremely overhyped. I have him going down here at number 15 to the Patriots. I think he was a very uh, system dependent quarterback. So him going to a system like the Patriots that already have a pretty good one in place, I think makes sense and they might be able to get something out of them. Now we move here to pick number 16. The Arizona Cardinals lost a staple of their team in Patrick Peterson. He is now in Minnesota. I think they address that new quarterback need they have here and they go after one of the better ones in this entire class and that is J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. I think it makes a ton of sense. He has been paired with them probably more heavily than uh, most prospects with any team in this draft. So I have him also here going to Arizona in this draft. Now at pick number 17, I have the Las Vegas Raiders going after a linebacker. And it was hard for me to pick between Zavin Collins out of Tulsa or Jeremiah Owusu uh, out of Notre Dame. And I'm in fact going to go with Jeremiah here. Uh, and I think that is going to make sense. I think they need a linebacker here. There are many people that also have him going after an offensive lineman like Alex Leatherwood. And that's also, you know, it's possible, but I just have him going after a linebacker here. And again, it was tough for me to pick between him and Zayvon Collins, but I think that's the direction they go. Now we're back with Miami on the clock at pick number 18. This is one that everybody wants the Dolphins to go after Najee Harris. And you guys are going to hate me for saying this, but I had the Dolphins going after a defensive player here. And here at pick 18, I have him going after Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher out of Michigan. And I think Quiddy Pay is just a big body, just a very dominant guy. I will say a lot of his sacks seem to be a product of, you know, great coverage. It seemed like he had a lot of coverage sacks, but he also looks like a very, uh, very powerful guy along the line, a guy that Brian Flores would fall in love with. And I do think the edge need that the Dolphins have is too big. They haven't really made too many improvements on the defensive side of the ball this offseason. If anything, they lost a few key players and maybe regressed. The defense was the strongest point of the team, and I don't think they could really afford to lose out too much on the defense.
defensive production they had from last year. So that is why I have them going on the defensive side of the ball here. Now they could also go Jalen Phillips, which is a little bit concerning given his injury issues that I will talk about when we get to him being picked. But as of right now, I just have him going after Quiddy Pay if he falls to him. I think it does make sense. Now, before you guys hate me, Najee Harris is my favorite running back in this draft. If the Dolphins are able to get him a little bit later on, I would be all over it. If they get him at pick 18, I'm not going to complain about it. It's not what I would do personally, but I'm not going to hate the move. He's my favorite running back in this class. So it's not that I don't think he's bad. It's not that I don't think running backs are important. I just think the position is one, oversaturated with talent, and two, extremely dependent on other positions. If your passing game is not up to par, they can load the box and stuff any running back that you have out there. If your offensive line isn't creating some space for them, unless you have a guy like Barry Sanders, or I guess if you're thinking in modern times like Derrick Henry, then he is not going to be able to succeed. It is very dependent on other positions. So that is one reason why I think the Dolphins may not be eager to go after a running back in the first round. It seems like teams produce fine with running backs that they selected later on. And I'm not just saying this because it is my uh, preference or my kind of concept, but I also wouldn't be shocked if the Dolphins think the same way. There is a lot of former Patriot influence here. And if you think of how the New England Patriots operated when it came to their running backs, if there was run one position that they valued less in terms of going after and getting a huge free agent or going after early in the draft, it was the running back position. They had a ton of production, but they were getting it from guys like James White. Before that, it was Deion Lewis. Before that, it was LeGarrette Blunt. Before that, you can think of all these little random scraps, it seems like, that they were picking up, whether it was Jonas Gray or Ben Jarvis Greenellis or Stevon Ridley. They weren't necessarily going after these tremendous running backs, but they were getting pretty good production. So I wouldn't be shocked if some of that same mentality with Brian Flores and Chris Greer makes them look at it and say, why would we, uh, you know, when we have such a big need on the defensive side of the ball right now, go after a running back when we could get someone later on, especially after last year when we saw the Dolphins bring in Matt Breida. He was supposed to be the guy. And then we saw them also bring in Jordan Howard. He was supposed to be the guy. Who ended up being the guys? Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed. Uh, so I think the Dolphins, when it comes to his running back position, I don't think they are necessarily eager to address it in this grand fashion. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if they do, but if I had to guess, I expect them to go with the defensive side of the ball here or maybe even address the offensive line. Now we move on to pick number 19 and we go to the Washington football team and this is where I have Zavin Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa going. I think it makes sense for them. They get to add on to an already powerful defense. I was kind of torn between them going offensive line here, but I just think the talent that he offers is just too much to pass up on. But again, this is given that they don't make a move to go after a quarterback instead. At pick number 20, the Chicago Bears, another team in a very similar position. I am very disappointed to think that they're going to rely on Andy Dalton. That is already looking like a wasted year in Chicago. So hopefully, uh, you know, for the sake of their fans, they trade up and they're able to get one of those better quarterbacks. But if they don't, they stay here at pick number 20. I have them going after cornerback Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. So I think that makes the most sense if they don't trade up for a quarterback. Pick number 21, Indianapolis Colts. I have them addressing the offensive line here, continuing to beef it up and going after Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. When we get to pick number 22, this is another pick, another one of those where the guy has been attached to this team, it seems like for months now, and that is Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. I have him going pick number 22 here to the 
the Tennessee Titans. I think it makes a ton of sense for him to land here. Now we move on to pick number 23 and you guys are going to despise me. I might even get people who never want to listen to me again because the New York Jets, I have them picking the running back out of Alabama, Najee Harris. And again, I think Najee Harris is the best running back in this draft. So I have them being the first one taken. So I hope you guys can understand that. I think the Jets have a running back need and they address their offensive line to some extent last year. They also got their quarterback in this draft. You compare them like Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott did in their rookie seasons in Dallas. Whether it's Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, I expect it to be one of them here. So if it isn't uh, Najee Harris, then I expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to pick him at, at 24. But with how this is unfolding, I'm expecting the Steelers to go running back here and get Travis Etienne. They lost James Conner. Uh, Benny Snell was kind of okay in some moments, but when he was the lead back, he was also not necessarily dependent. It's a system that relies extremely heavily on running backs. Before it was Le'Veon Bell, before that was Yangelo Williams, and then it was James Conner. They need a running back over there in Pittsburgh, so I'm expecting it to be a guy like either Travis Etienne or Nashi Harris, both of them talented, both of them worthy of being picked up here in these spots. Now we go up here to pick number 25 uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I have them going after offensive tackle out of Alabama, Alex Leatherwood, a guy who was uh, expected to be a top 15 pick back in 2020, elected to stay in college, might have hurt his stock a little bit. I expect him to stay here in the first round, but other mock drafts have him falling into the second. I have him going here at pick number 25 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Pick number 26, uh, Cleveland Browns. I have him going after Christian Barmore, in uh, the interior defensive lineman out of Alabama. Pick 27, Jalen Phillips out of the University of Miami, the edge rusher, uh, a guy that a lot of people want the Dolphins to go after at pick 18, but I'm a little bit concerned with that injury issue. He actually at one point with UCLA retired because of concussions, and concussions are a scary thing. We see how quickly guys can just, their whole career can be derailed because of concussions. We saw it with Jordan Reed. We saw it with Austin Colley. We've seen it with guys like Wes Welker. Concussions are a very serious thing. Hearing about that, I think, could cause him to drop even further than that, but his talent is definitely through the roof, so it has nothing to do with that when I watch him. So I have him falling here to pick 27 to the Baltimore Ravens. Pick 28, the New Orleans Saints. I have him going after quarterback, uh, cornerback Greg Newsom II. This is a pick that could also go in the direction of a wide receiver. I wouldn't be shocked if they go where a, a guy like Terrace Marshall out of LSU. It seems like far too often the New Orleans Saints, if you play fantasy football, it seems like, uh, you know, on the waiver wire, you're like, dang, Traquan Smith is going to be getting a lot of targets. You know, that's never a good sign when Traquan Smith is going to be your secondary target. So could they go after a wide receiver here? You know, Elijah Moore, maybe. Sure. I just have him going after a cornerback. I think both of those situations are likely. Now, pick 29, the Green Bay Packers. They have MVP Aaron Rodgers here. They absolutely refuse to get him a first round wide receiver. I expect that to change in this draft. We don't know how much longer we have of Aaron Rodgers in a Packers uniform before they hand it off potentially to Jordan Love. Regardless, I think making uh, getting a wide receiver here makes sense. They go after Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU, who if I had to bet on any receiver ending up being the T. Higgins of this draft class, you know, just a sneaky little sleeper who is very consistent. I like Marshall being that guy. I think he could be that guy who is just reliable, is a little bit slept on, but puts up just terrific numbers in his rookie year. At pick number 30 for the Buffalo Bills, I have him going after Aziz 
Ajulari, the edge rusher out of Georgia. At pick 31 for the Baltimore Ravens, they also have a wide receiver need. A lot of people have been saying Marshall will go to them instead at pick 27, but I have them waiting to address this need until pick 31, where they go after Elijah Moore, the wide receiver out of Ole Miss. The guy is a unit. He is, you know, a little bit on the shorter side, but the guy is a tank. I think it makes sense for them to address it here at pick 31. And then pick number 32, the final pick of their first round of the NFL draft. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going after edge rusher out of Penn State, Jason Owe. So guys, that is how it wraps up the first round of my mock draft. Let me know what you guys think. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with certain things. That's kind of a common occurrence when it comes to mock draft. It seems like everybody, uh, you know, has differing opinions because there's so many different directions things could go. Now we're going to continue talking about the Dolphins here because of course it goes beyond the first round, especially I think the main topic is, well, if you don't go Najee Harris with that 18th overall pick in the first round, well then what are you going to do? Because there is a definite running back need there. And you guys have probably heard me say it a bunch and I've made a pretty big case on it in previous episodes and on Dolphins Talk as well, that I really like Javante Williams. And what I like especially about him is his value. Of course, if you could get both of them at the same area, uh, if the Dolphins were to draft one at 18th overall, I would prefer it be Najee Harris. But if you could get a guy like Williams a little bit later on, I just love the value of that. And another thing I want to talk about briefly is that uh, Williams is only 21 years old. He actually just turned 21 yesterday, and that's courtesy of Josh Houts, who uh, was publishing videos and saying it was his birthday. You know, he always does good work over there. Um, but so he is 21 years old, and that's kind of important. It may be overblown in my mind, but Najee Harris is also 23, and the running back position has a nearly non-existent lifespan. It pains me to say that I don't get any joy out of be being so down on the running back position, but uh, by the time Najee Harris' rookie contract ends, he will be either 27 or 28, depending on how long you have him. So, you know, that's pretty big because if you look around the NFL, there aren't that many guys who are 27 and are still primary backs in the NFL. It's a very short lifespan, these guys at the running back position. Aside from Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson, a few other outliers like Giovanni Bernard, it is a position that is dominated by guys on the rookie deal. So if you got a guy like Javante Williams, when his contract ends, the guy will only be uh, 25 years old. Of course, that may be thinking too far in advance, but you are looking at a player who is already really good at the age of 21. What he could do in a few years' time uh, in terms of improving his game has left to be seen, and there is always the promise that he could still be good when that rookie contract ends. So, of course, that's all really appealing to me as I look at a guy like Javante Williams. I really like the value there. And then the other major guy here being Travis Etienne, who a lot of people have back and forth between him and Najee Harris being the best guy at the top of this class. But as we saw last year, uh, I think teams are also starting to kind of share this same mindset when it comes to these running backs. The first running back that went off the board in last year's draft was Clyde Edwards Hilaire at the last pick of the first round. And he wasn't even the one that people consider to be the best. I think in wide consensus, the best one was uh, DeAndre Swift. That was everyone's favorite running back. And then after that, it was Jonathan Taylor. People kind of had Clyde Edwards Hilaire as an afterthought. But even then, all these guys didn't go until the second and third round. So again, it seems like the NFL is also starting to kind of share this same opinion when it comes to running backs. So Travis Etienne, maybe even Najee Harris going in the second round, even though they are the top guys at the class, if the NFL is really kind of uh, looking at how the running back position is trending, they may also fall to the second round. So imagine the Dolphins being able to get a guy like Harris in the second round. That would be absolutely 
phenomenal. Now, another guy here that's kind of on that fringe in the same conversation, I'm frankly not too big on him. I see a lot of people that really love the guy, but it's Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis. Now, when I watch him, I do see a surprising amount of power. He is not the biggest guy either. He makes some good moves behind the line of scrimmage. I do worry a little bit about his speed when he hits the open field. I mean, when he does break off the big run, it's kind of shocking to me that he doesn't get caught, but they've had a good track record over there at Memphis at producing some running backs. Most recently, Antonio Gibson, who had a, a terrific season with the Washington football team, I think offers a ton in the future. Tony Pollard as well. So a lot of people are very big on Gainwell. I, as I mentioned, he's on that fringe in the conversation for being one of the, the top backs in this group. But I do worry that if you go after a guy like this, you would kind of be more so adding to the committee as opposed to finding the guy who could truly become a feature back of this team. So again, I'm not truly against the idea of going full on committee, but that's something to keep in mind. Now there's other people making the argument, and I've seen Dolphins talk say it, that the Dolphins could be looking to get a veteran instead and maybe just look away from the draft entirely. I think Miles Gaskin is uh, was better than most people give him credit for, and Savon Ahmed in those moments was pretty good, but still the Dolphins definitely need somebody else in the mix, and Malcolm Brown doesn't really satisfy that need to me. It's still kind of a, you know, average at best running back group, maybe slightly below, but if you bring in a guy like Adrian Peterson is what Dolphins talk was suggesting for those kind of short yardage situations. Of course, when you bring in a guy like Adrian Peterson, maybe even another veteran like Todd Gurley, uh, those guys aren't workhorse backs. Definitely at this point in their career, they're not guys that are going to handle the bulk of the work. So if you really want to commit to the running back by committee, I guess you could get one of these guys. But to me, this is a position that is dominated by the younger guys. So I think they have to look towards the draft. So again, Najee Harris, a guy like Javante Williams, Travis is Etienne. Uh, Gainwell is also in the mix there. And then there's another guy, North Carolina running back Michael Carter. Now, this guy is shifty. He can stop on a dime. He can go left and right in ways that kind of remind me of Christian McCaffrey. That's a huge comparison. I'm not saying he is as complete of a back, but he is very shifty, even though he is a very small guy. Now, what kind of would worry me about this is that he does a lot of the same stuff we see Miles Gaskin doing. I'm not sure they're really different enough, and I'm not sure if he's a guy that you could count on to really get a a full uh, workload of touches. Now we've seen other guys again, like my McCaffrey, who I mentioned, and a guy like Cam Akers, and uh, maybe even Alvin Kamara, who aren't necessarily the biggest guys, but still, you know, command respect and get a lot of work. So those are a few things that I'm thinking about here. Now uh, to talk about a little bit more about receivers that the Dolphins could go after, especially if that scenario happens where the Dolphins go Kyle Pitts, then that doesn't necessarily solve the receiver need. Sure, you got a receiving weapon, but you still need to have another guy that plays this receiver position. One guy that I think could be pretty good for the team beyond the first round, not sure if he's going to go uh, you know, in the second or beyond that, but it's Amon Ross St. Brown. That may sound familiar because he's brothers with Equinemius St. Brown of the Green Bay Packers. Now, St. Brown, he If you look at him, he is built like an action figure. This guy looks just like an absolute unit, shredded to the bones, just massive frame on him. He could be an appealing guy here for the Dolphins to go after, even if they didn't necessarily get one of the big primary guys. But at the end of the day, I think the guarantee thing is that the Dolphins need to come away with one of the top receiving options, whether that ends up being Kyle Pitts, whether that is 
you know, Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle. They need to come away with at least one of these guys for me to be happy. I'm hoping they could get multiple of them. That would be awesome. But at least one of those big upper echelon receiving options needs to be a member of the Miami Dolphins by the end of this draft. Now, another thing that could happen is with that 18th pick, the Dolphins could actually, I think, look to go safety because I think there is one safety in particular who kind of separates himself as the best safety in this class. Now, I think Bobby McCain is serviceable right now, but we've also seen what happens when he is not on the field. There's been a few moments where he misses a play and then the defense instantly collapses. And even then, I don't think Bobby McCain is necessarily an absolute lockdown guy. I think there's still room to improve over there. So Trayvon Murig of TCU, he plays free safety here, just an absolute ball hawk, seems to be the consensus top best safety. A ton of things to love about him. He is six foot two, 202 pounds, extremely physical, also ran a four five 40 yard dash. He looks pretty quick, even quicker than that when you watch how he plays on the field. So if you notice, I didn't have him going in the first round in my mock draft and I acknowledge myself that was somehow I don't think that's going to happen. I think he goes in the first round and I think even taking him at that 18 pick, I don't think anyone will complain. But if he somehow falls into the second, I don't think trading up to get him would be the worst thing. If you're looking at some other value guys the Dolphins could get later on in the draft, I think one in particular that could also make sense is Richie Grant out of UCF. He is another guy who is extremely physical when it comes to tackling. He makes a ton of good plays, but also in coverage, he's able to bounce around. He doesn't mind, uh, you know, being put in the slot in some big situations and having to dive for, for some hard deflections. He is a very appealing guy. Another guy that I see in kind of a tie to the Dolphins a bit at the safety position is Divine Diablo out of uh, Virginia Tech. Now, I will say I don't necessarily think the Dolphins would lean in that direction. He is a little bit bigger of a safety, and some say that he could even maybe even play linebacker just because of his big frame, 220 pounds. And if you look at him, he does look like a low-end kind of uh, linebacker in terms of his stature. And I think Brandon Jones kind of fills that kind of area, so I'm not really sure the Dolphins would uh, lean at that direction. But I do think that there is a potential for the Dolphins to target the safety position, even though everyone's kind of eyeing that edge need, I kind of eyeing that linebacker position. I think I wouldn't be shocked here if the Dolphins kind of in the top three rounds address the safety position in this draft. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at Shady Steven. You can also follow the podcast account that is at Via the Source. I tweet mostly more sport-related news on that account. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review. Uh, if you had uh, things that I can improve on or comments or things you would like for me to discuss in a future episode, feel free to leave it there as well or on Twitter. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steve Amasso, and this was Via the Source.